Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the season three finale of the Drunken UX Podcast. With 78 episodes in, I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other, other finale host, Aaron. How you doing, Michael? I need a uh, future Michael. Remember, while we're doing all this, throw in some applause sound effects or something underneath us. Make it sound impressive and maybe some fireworks and air horns and, uh, and dogs choo, 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 choo. Um, And a yeah, This is a, a job for future Michael, not current Aaron, because... You... That's no fun. Yeah, I know, but man... You never give me the cool jobs. I know, I know, but uh, you agreed, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like it's like doing work, except less paycheck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't believe we've done three seasons, man. Well, it's uh, pretty amazing. Does it? It feels like it, doesn't it? I've got about three seasons more beard. <laughs> yeah. Every every season you get another beard. I do feel like yeah, I have to take the old one off and right. it gets hung up, and then a new one comes in. Yeah, I can like, see them on your wall back there. It's really I cool. I shed them like a I'm spider amazed. Skeleton. Do you like do you mix them with some kind of resin or something to keep them in a beard shape so they don't just fall apart? Because it's just a bunch of hairs, right? No, no, it's it's kind of like honey. It never goes bad. Huh? They just they just sort of stay there. They mold occasionally, but that's interesting. Some with some bleach. I see it's you fine. have the one it looks like on the t- looks like the 2013 slot and it's it's missing. What's the why is that one missing? Funny story about uh, you, you remember the story about Michael Jackson and the uh, Pepsi commercial, right? Yes, yeah. Well, uh, mine was a Coke commercial. Oh, I'd snuck on set and uh, it, it was a whole thing, not my okay. fault. Um, uh, Harry Styles was in the commercial, I really wanted to meet him. What can I say? Cool. Well, it's very nice of you to give up your beard in a conflagration like that. Yeah, yeah. And I still have scars, so that's why. Yeah. That's why this. That's one why you're growing a beard again. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're new and you haven't heard us before, this is the finale, so the the real content's going to be earlier in the year. But you should come check us out on Twitter and Facebook.com/slash/drunkenux and Instagrams.com/slash/drunkenuxpodcast. And you can come chat with us at drunkenux.com slash discord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. But yes, do go check out previous episodes where we actually talk about content. Because this one, we're going to, we're doing kind of year end. This is going to be a different episode tonight. Wait, this will be content. Don't undersell us. I'm not saying it's not content, but it's different content than normal. Uh, Speaking of playing to our strengths, uh, I'm, I'm back to my staple scotch. Uh, Tonight, uh, I I talked about previously uh, on Instagram. I kind of bought a special bottle. I say mm-hmm. that it's it's Dalmore Twelve, which is not in and of itself a unique bottle or, or anything like that. But um, I don't frequently have Dalmore. Um, it's a little bit more expensive than a lot of other stuff, and uh, so I tend to only get it around special times. It's end of the year. I love Dalmore. It's it's such a rich. It's it's uh aged for about nine years in in bourbon casks and then they split it up between hmm. um bourbon casks and sherry casks and then they reblend it back together so you nice. end up with this it's a highland but it's 
a little sweeter. It's got some really strong, like like blood orange kind of citrusy flavors underlying oh, it. Okay. Um, it it gets a little richer than say an Oban would. Um, okay. Or, or some of those. It's not quite to the level of some of the space sides, though. Okay. It definitely like a Dalmore Twelve compared to something like a Glenlivet Twelve is. Mm -hmm night and day from a flavor standpoint. Dalmore just has huh. so much more flavor to it. So this is my treat to myself tonight. If you follow us on Instagram, I've also posted some pictures of some, uh, let's, let's call it a, if you follow whiskey tribe, I, I posted it on rare whiskey Friday. Hmm. Um, I, it's Christmas time and I've got a buddy. He and I tend to go in on a couple bottles, uh, for Christmas when bonus time comes around and things like that. And we kind of went nuts this year and <laughs> bought some, extravagant bottles but those are going to be making an appearance on future episodes as well and so if you go check us out uh tell me which one you want me to drink first and that will be what will debut in season four cool i've got a uh, same thing as last time tiger and tonic it's my kind of go-to holiday drink i think comfort to drink yeah got a big bottle of tiger i picked up recently I have to drink it or it'll go bad. I have, I, I have, so they have these little like red fake wax seals on each bottle. And a long time ago, a friend of mine had given me a uh, holiday bottle with a head like a tin, like a green commemorative, like um, tangerine green tin. And I've been collecting the little fake wax seals in that tin ever since. Um, it's a very tall tin. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to fill it up. I do I do buy Tangray quite frequently, but it's it's very tall and the wax seals are very small. <laughs> I've been I for a long time with Scotch. I I I think everybody who drinks a lot of Scotch goes through this phase where you keep the bottles the cork. or or oh. the not just the corks but like the bottles and the boxes and stuff. Okay. And one day I looked at it and I'm like, why am I keeping trash? <laughs> <laughs> and so I I broke myself of that habit. But yes, to your point, yeah. I do now keep the corks, and I've got one tube from an old mm -hmm. bottle that I've been throwing all my corks in, and I'm going to do something with them. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what yet, but it's I'm going to think about it and come up with something. And um, I have, however, for some of my like higher-end bottles, so like my Christmas time bottle that I usually get, mm -hmm. I'll usually keep at least the box, because a lot of the times... When you if you spend like two hundred dollars on a bottle of scotch, mm -hmm. it's coming in a nice box, like not just a little cardboard throwaway thing. Right? So I've yeah, kept no, they're some nice. Of those. Yeah, and I've kept the my one of my all time favorite bottles. I mentioned Dalmore is like my my special time scotch. Um, the Dalmore King Alexander the Third twelve sixty three. It's a mouthful, but it mm -hmm. is a gorgeous, beautiful flavored scotch. It is. Expensive as all hell. I've only ever owned one bottle of it. I kept that bottle <laughs> hmm. because I will probably never buy another bottle of it. And it's it, Dalmore bottles have like this stag head that mm -hmm. wraps around it. Um, on like normal bottles, that's just a little piece of silver plastic. On this yeah. bottle, it's like pewter. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so, um, okay. This is season finale. We've been now doing the Drunken UX podcast for three years. We launched in uh, January of 2017. We are finishing in December of 2020. Um, so our seasons are nice and perfectly year long, which is very convenient. That is really convenient. <laughs> and let's face it. 
2020 has been a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So we were talking a few weeks ago, what did we want to talk about for the season finale? And we've done a number of things in the past, all of which I've enjoyed. Reviewing our most popular episodes from the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing uh, In season one, we did a year in review where we just talked mm-hmm. about how the show was doing and, and what, you know we had planned for it and all of that. I think those were great ideas. And this year we just sort of came to the conclusion that, you know what? Let's do nothing. So we have it's a show a, about nothing. We, yeah, it's a show about nothing because <laughs> show about nothing. I, I tell you what, that sounds like a good idea. We have show notes up in front of us. They're literally that document is empty. <laughs> we are going to be taking notes as we talk, but I have nothing prepared. I think, I think that this year is just this year has been such a year that it feels like it it eclipses anything else we could possibly talk about that would be about us. Like it would be just navel gazing if we were to talk about just the show. <laughs> it's well and and so yeah, I think at the end we kind of said, you know what, let's let's save ourselves the work. Um, you know, we We've both had stress in our lives this year, and, you know, we've had the same, I think, bugaboos hiding under our beds that a lot of people mm-hmm. have. And so it made, I think, a lot of sense for us to just say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to talk about the things we want to talk about, what comes to mind. Um, thinking about this a lot like uh, a few episodes back, I had some of the folks from High Ed Web um, mm. come on, and we did sort of a very similar structure. We just talked. We just talked about what has gone well for them and hadn't and things like that. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I'm going to start this off by kicking off a throwback to episode 62. We did this back in mm-hmm. May. This was right when COVID was kicking off and, and all of that and things were getting weird for people. And we did an episode on remote working. Now, remote working is not new to me. It's mm-hmm. not new to Aaron. Um, nope. But I think what has changed a lot is... You know, the people we, in, or at least the people I interface with, I'm not going to speak for Aaron on this, but sure. um, he can speak for himself. I, But the people I work with, one of them was also full remote, but none of the rest of my team was. And so they have all had mm. to adapt to that and and the struggles with that. And um, I, I want to say I think we've done very well at it and yeah. you know, try to be very supportive of each other and, and very conscious of the stress it has. Because one of the things we talked about in that episode was... Remote working is not for everybody, and so mm-hmm. people getting thrown into that without choice in the matter, that has real impacts on, you know, your psychological well-being if it's yeah. not something that you're prepared for or uh, good at in some cases. I'm not saying that about anybody I work with. I'm just saying in general that that, that very can be a stressful thing. Even if you're good at it, it can be stressful. I, I've been remote working for uh, consistently for, I think, three years now, and this has by far, by far been the most challenging and the most isolating of all of them because in the past if i was feeling like i needed some social interaction i could take my work computer down to a cafe or something and work there for the day or i could go you know visit family or friends and work from their living rooms or wherever and I, i literally i went to north carolina last year um or no two years ago and worked from my aunt and uncle's house um and so i got to have like a vacation but also still working um so that was cool um yeah it, it that free time so to speak mm-hmm. like when because 
you I I think it, you do have to be a little bit of an introvert at least to really enjoy working remotely. <laughs> but it helps. <laughs> even the worst introverts out there do have either a very, you know, they tend to have a small social circle or they have little things they do. Mm-hmm. And when you take that away, yeah. It's it it's not high volume, but it's like high density, you know, it's high yeah. value. Um and so that and that was very hard for me. That was one thing mm-hmm. that I know hit that um I I have a little neighborhood bar that I like going to. I've got a, several friends there that we would just sit and like once a week we would just sit down and it was fun to bullshit and talk football and do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd go there once a week maybe. And when I couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. It really felt like it put me out on an island. Uh and that sucked. Yeah. Like that that was tough. Um because and because I before that I'd also never really thought about how much value those moments had for me. Mm-hmm. Um and so Yeah, that's really true. You you don't realize it until it's kinda gone. Yeah, yeah. And so I've I've tried to make some adjustments, you know. Um but it, like at work, for instance, that was one area where um our our work said, you know what? We want to make sure that people are still getting interactions. Literally every day on on our calendar, we've got a 4 p.m. Um, meeting where people can just jump in, and mm-hmm. it's just like a little after work session. Because I mean, for them, it's five o'clock for most of them. So mm-hmm. um, there's that. We do Fabio um, Friday afternoon beer in office. I think is what that stands for. Okay. Um, and normally they would do that. Like that was Fabio in the office. Now right. we do it like once a At month home. or something where it's just everybody <laughs> like our everybody in the office jumps on a hang a giant hangout and have a beer and sit there and just talk. I showed everybody my chain mail. Uh, <laughs> not bikini, mind you. Um that's special times. Uh, <laughs> but th- those moments have helped me kind of supplant some of that, I think, because I never used to do any of that. Like that was something Fabio was for the folks who were in our office, you know, mm-hmm. on the East Coast, and I wasn't there, so I couldn't take part in that. Um, and so yeah. we, we've changed, you know, you just you change some of those habits. It's been, I've basically been in my house almost the entire year. I've taken trips to the grocery store, to the hardware store, friend's house, that's it. I mean, like, there have been maybe a handful of exceptions to that. Um, throughout the year but i mean that's basically the only places i've been and predominantly i've been here yeah man <laughs> yeah oh and so I, if, any, uh, and if anybody out there is is still feeling stressed about this or or frustrated or whatever okay and feel free to reach out to uh, aaron and i that's why mm-hmm. we have the discord set up you know if yeah. you just want to jump in somewhere and and talk to somebody and hear a voice or you know read a voice read words that would be if a you've voice. never if you've never worked remotely prior to this um, and you hate it, we hate it too. And this isn't normally what it's like. That's so, yeah. That's a good point too. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is not what it is normally like. Um, this is an exceptional experience, but just know that it, yeah, if you're having struggles with it or, or whatever, that's okay. So, mm-hmm. and, and don't be afraid to, you know, reach out and uh, we're here. And I, I have no doubt that folks, you know, you all have people in your lives or whatever. And I hope you're all having good luck because I know, I know more people than I would care to who have had to deal with COVID in their lives somehow. And that sucks. 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I get it. And I, I want I think I just wanted to start with that, not as a downer or anything like that, but just cause I think it's oh, something very we, salient. we, yeah, yeah. We, we, I think we've all shared in an extent mm-hmm. uh, with, with that. So here's something that we don't always talk about. Um, I lost my job in March. It was in March. It was, it was COVID related. Uh, there was just, there was like a bunch of layoffs. Um, and I was, I, I was very grateful that the community of people that I had connected with over the years, um, helped me find interviews and things. And I, I actually had a job offer within a week. I, I, that was incredibly lucky. I was not expecting that. And I was really worried. Um, but that there was some, like, I couldn't start for a couple months. It was just some stuff that had to happen first, um, to start work there. Couldn't start for a couple months. So, um, this was at the time when there was that, uh, extra $600 a week in unemployment benefits. And let me tell you, like that saved my life. Like I, it is, I feel so incredibly lucky to have, if I was ever going to lose my job, that was the time to lose it. And so basically all of April and May, um, I was fully unemployed. I was having really bad burnout and that was some much needed rest. I got to do a lot of gardening and I, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about paying my bills for two months. And I, I can't even begin to say how grateful I am for that, for having that break and having that peace of mind. So <laughs> I, I I know that that's since ended, it ended in August and um, that's really shitty. Um, yeah, we, because... we don't advise you as a stress mechanism to lose your job. <laughs> that, that actually right. is really bad for stress in most cases. Right. Yes, definitely. Um, I think it really shined a light for me personally. I mean, I kind of already had this feeling anyways, but I think a lot of people who were in a similar situation to me were realizing like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like we're, we're all like working paycheck to paycheck and, and you know, the the luxury of being able to take even a month off between jobs. I, I never could have done it before. I, I certainly would have been able to. Um, well, you know what I think it speaks to? Um, hmm. and, and we've, I think we've hit on this a little bit here and there, but maybe not like, in a very cogent way is the importance of networking too, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I know there are a lot of people out there, especially in other industries that certainly aren't lucky enough to be able to just bounce from one place to another. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very lucky in our industry, web developers, web designers are in demand still. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if you ever need to know that or, or find something, um, you know, plug for our company. If you go to aquent.com or vitamintalent.com, we have job boards there and we have jobs across the board from UX to design to project management everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like this industry, I think, is is really resilient in that way, especially because, hey, let's make everything remote. Well, that means everything has to be digital. How are we going to do everything digital? Hire people that can do it. Right. So it it made us valuable. but. I think it also speaks volumes to how important it is to talk to people and get to know other people doing what you're doing. And 
Aaron and I have, you know, endlessly professed our love for like the higher ed environment, mm -hmm. partly because of the community that is there of people in web in that industry and how intrinsically helpful and linked they are to each other and how much yeah. they care about helping each other along, even when it means, you know, some of us jump, you know, to the private sector after a while. Mm -hmm. And like to this day, I still remain connected to tons of those people and still talk to them regularly and have them on this very show as a consequence. Like, like that's, I, I had some job suggestions from a few of them actually when I, when I got laid off. So yeah, for real. Those, those connections. And I know it can be hard, especially starting out. Well, where do I make those connections at? Mm -hmm. Anywhere. Reddit. Go on Reddit and yeah. start talking to people in Reddit and start commenting on stuff and, and start having conversations. Um, Twitter, as much as, you know, we make fun of Twitter and, and it can be a huge problem, there is a huge community of very helpful web people that are still mm -hmm. there. Tune out the rest. Don't follow the people who talk about crap that you don't care about or anything like that. Follow the people you do care about. Look for a few hashtags relevant to your industry or your job and follow those and see who's talking about stuff in that space and start, you know, interacting with them. Um, the, yeah. the, the number of digital conferences of course has exploded. Mm -hmm. Not all of them are free arguably, but several are at least to watch start going to some of those. Um, this is advice for anybody, by the way, like whatever job you do, you make yourself not necessarily just more valuable, but more, I don't know what's the word, flexible, I guess, mm -hmm. more nimble when you know people, when you have connections for not just when you need help, not just when, mm -hmm. hey, guys, I need some leads on something, you know, bad things happen. My company got shut down, whatever. Yes, those things happen. Sometimes it's also, man, I don't know how to do this thing that I know other people have figured out. Yeah. I, surely I can, there's somebody out there I can ask about this and, and get some advice for or get some, you know, a lead on a tutorial or something like that. It's always good to have a friend who can help you, like, clean up your resume a little bit, um, you know, bounce some ideas off of, um, help you. I mean, just having networking in general is just really important. Yeah. And I know that can be daunting. I know that I yeah. say that like, go get, go meet people. <laughs> That's easy to do in the age of COVID. Yeah. Just pull some people off the people tree. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> I, I get that, you know, that takes time. It takes time to build a network. It takes time to build a community around yourself. Um, but it starts with one person mm -hmm. and look locally. You know, if you're in a big city, there are tons of like WordPress groups and designer groups and, and folks who meet again, day meeting may have, varied terms depending on where you are but mm -hmm. um i think that that's really important and it's a safety net more than anything at that point like it's it's good for help and all of this but it also gives you that sort of man things are getting bad do i know somebody who can help me mm -hmm. um and sometimes actually my favorite is do i have somebody i can go bitch to who will understand <laughs> the complaint yeah. that i have about you know, somebody I've had to work with or a piece of software I've tried to figure out, and I just want to go complain about how awful it is. Yeah, I feel that. That's, yeah, that that's a big one. Um, okay, I want to I wanna ask a, a question of you, mm -hmm. Aaron. What is it like, and like as you mentioned, so you've switched jobs, so you've got a couple different pools to sort of pick from here, and I don't mm -hmm. care where you go for it, but... Sure. 
what's something that you've kind of that you've done or accomplished so far this year from a web standpoint that like made you feel really good for any reason whether that's the complexity of it or the satisfaction of doing it or or anything oh okay i have a a couple small things um i published my first ruby gem that actually does something it's called emoji sub um emoji underscore sub it's a playoff of g sub which is a um a substitute it's a string replace thing we use regex in ruby um emoji sub does it scans a string of text and it looks for short codes like you would use on slack like colon grimacing colon and it replaces them with the unicode for that emoji and it has support for uh doing zero width join emojis like when you do a couple different ones you combine like a color and a person to make a, a person of a different color and it supports all of the slack short codes and all of the short codes all together the part i'm particularly proud of though is that i i used the mechanized library for ruby and i wrote a scraper that scraped down the entire emoji scheme for version 14.0 and it's generalized enough that i can just point it to a different version and then it will pull down all of the definitions it pulls them down into a serialized file with short codes the unicode for the emoji and the name of it um it's up on github uh github.com slash armahillo slash emoji sub or just go to armahillo go to github.com slash armahillo and you'll see it on my my top repos there um so that was pretty cool I also launched my personal um, tech blog, armahillo.dev. Uh, I bought the domain last year, but I didn't do anything with it because I wasn't sure what I would to put on it. So I I, um, I started out with Bridgetown. Um, we had uh, Jared White on here as a guest before. And um, th- this is actually what prompted me to write the emoji sub gem because I wanted to use short codes in it. Um, I, I like Bridgetown a lot, but I didn't want to deploy to the environments that Bridgetown is best suited for. So I ended up going just back to Jekyll. Um, I played with Jekyll a little bit before, but not not in depth. And I had never deployed something with it. So that was a lot of learning that went into that. But I really like it. I found a theme that I like. I, I modified it a whole bunch. I started writing articles with just general information stuff and other development-related things. It's, it's a work in progress. There's some, there's some stuff up there, though. It's pretty decent. I think those are the two, like biggest things that i've done i'm trying to remember what what this year was because (laughs) this year feels like several years and it's bleeding together with last year i think that was the bulk of it i I know i did a bunch of exorcism stuff earlier in the year too um that was when i was going to call out was yeah um, like we had jeremy walker on earlier this year Mm -hmm. to talk about exorcism which is a learning platform for all kinds of coding languages Mm -hmm. and i went through uh, the javascript course on that and I I feel like I really stepped up my JavaScript game this year. Hmm. And I've written some code. Um, one of the things I think that I'm really proud of is um, we aren't done. And we are, in fact, a long way from being done. But the process has started at work. We are slowly getting jQuery out of all of our code. And so everything hmm. will be vanilla JS moving forward. And so... Um, we've been doing an integration with a new marketing automation platform. Mm-hmm. And so we've got all of these lead forms that have to submit, you know, lead data to, uh, to the marketing system for scoring and lead generation and all that. So we've got to hook this up to their API 
So we've done some stuff in AWS using Lambda and API Gateway to build our own RESTful API to interface with their RESTful API, which was very cool. Um, I only had a hand in that, not I didn't do the whole thing. But one thing that that let me do, well, let me come back to that. The, the thing about that was we had to change a bunch of our form code in the process. Hmm. And while I was doing that, I'm like, why are we using this? Like, So a good example, um, our forms have a name field. And it's designed to be like full name. So one field and you just type your whole name in there. The problem was the automation system requires first name, last name. Don't (laughs) yell at me. I didn't build the automation system. I, I only have to build to the technical requirements. To handle that, we used a jQuery plugin that was designed (laughs) to split a name field into two other hidden fields. And it works. It works fine. But it was jQuery based, and so it required jQuery, and then it was a jQuery plugin, and the plugin was like a hundred some lines long, something like that. Wow! I tore that out, rewrote it, vanilla JS, twelve lines, <laughs> and I have no doubt that somebody better than me could probably do it in even less than that. And I think that I think that was twelve lines with some extra line breaks mixed in there. But I I may be Chris Ferd and Andy would approve. <laughs> it's it really yeah because that's the thing right it. it simplified the code and now mm-hmm. on top of that i have a uh, a little function that i can that's uh, or a module now that is abstracted that mm-hmm. i can import anywhere we need any form even if it's not a lead form if we need to do a name split on on a field like that i can just yeah. import that function and it's ready to go it doesn't need selectors it doesn't need anything you just tell it what the field is and it's good to go um that felt Again, and that's I think a good example. Really small thing, felt really mm-hmm. good though. Um, <laughs> it felt good to write code in a way that felt right. I'm using the word right there a lot. That's not the fault of the mm-hmm. Dalmore. That's just the way homonyms <laughs> work. <laughs> the other thing that I, I shelved. The other thing that I'm I'm really happy we're starting to get more serious about when we were writing this API gateway stuff. Um, and I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, though I don't think we've actually gone into depth on this, maybe a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we got pretty real about writing uh, Cypress tests. Okay. So when somebody updates that code, they can run the Cypress test, and it'll it'll submit data to the gateway, it'll check it, it'll read the response, it checks a whole bunch of different conditions, and will tell you if that's right or wrong. Um, that felt really good too because we've it's something we've talked about a lot um, from a workflow standpoint that's like we need to write more tests we should be writing tests for all of this stuff so that we don't break things obviously that's the way modern development works and it's one of those things where sometimes prioritization of work and deadlines forces you to cut corners on things and testing was usually the thing that always like we have a QA person so at the end of the day, it's like, why write a test when the QA person has to go do it? Well, that's right. a silly mentality to have. But <laughs> the fact of the matter was, it gave gave us a safety net, and it was an excuse to cut that corner, even though mm-hmm. obviously we know that's bad. Everybody, you, you're going to have to make sacrifices like that in in the real world. No matter how much we argue otherwise and tell you that it, that you need to do all this stuff, people get paid more than us to make some of those decisions. <laughs> uh, so. With this, we wrote real Cypress tests, and they're there, and they're ready to go, and they'll 
last time we made a tweak, one of the first things that came out was make sure to update that Cypress test. And it was like, <laughs> because now it's there. Now mm -hmm. working on that code means working on the test. You have to, right. you can't do one without the other. And so it's part of the process. It's baked in. Um, and it, it will make that code better. I'm really excited about the prospects of that becoming more of our style. Um, yeah. Just because of, of that. It, I, the other thing, the, the reason I like tests, I think, is it really makes you think about your code a little more sideways. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of places will tell you to write the test first, even. Sure. Build we, to the a test. lot of my coworkers do that. I, yeah. I am not, I, I am a big fan of, of writing tests and I, I always try to have test coverage whenever I, I just feel, I feel safer when I have a test covering something. Cause then I know that like I can get adventurous, and try to break things and it's not going to like, like I'll know if it breaks it. Um, I'm not, I'm not so pedantic about, about doing uh, the, uh, the TDD approach. I, I tend to do, I, I call it the inverse of that. I call it DDT or development driven tests. Um, I just try to make sure that before I do anything, any kind of big change or anything that wherever I'm at, uh, whether I write the tests first or last, that I have tests before I commit, before I push up to the repo, I have to have test coverage. Uh, before I do a refactor, I'm covering, I've got coverage for whatever it is I'm refactoring. I, I like the security of having the tests available. Um, they'll, they'll save your bacon. <laughs> yeah. And it, like I say, I, I think it, I think it just makes people better. Mm -hmm. we, whether it's an integration test or a unit test, whatever, writing that test forces you, like in our case, I had to really stop and think about, okay, what are, what are the API responses? And one of the first things that happened was I wrote my test and mm -hmm. it had a huge blind spot because of the way <laughs> the API returned data and you could completely fail the, the submission. But because of the way I was checking the response and the information that came in the response, it would, the test would pass a complete failure hmm. because I just, I hadn't written it specific enough. And so I had to go through and, and tweak all that. Then we had to do it a second time because we wrote a second API endpoint, but it's, it, it was working a little differently, but it had the same output like on, on the return response. Mm -hmm. And so we had to sit down and figure out, okay, so how do we do this without rewriting or, you know, copy pasting, you know, violating what we call dry, don't repeat yourself. We mm -hmm. were going to have to just copy and paste this entire chunk of tests. That felt silly. So we figured out how to extract that in Cypress so that we could just reuse that same chunk of test over again. Do you know the opposite of dry? Wet. Yeah, write everything twice. <laughs> oh, and you said TDD earlier. Test-driven yeah. development for yes. those who, yeah. who don't know. The TDD, the, the essence, the, the very, very short abridged statement of TDD is that you you always write a failing test first. Um, and then once you have a failing test, then you write the code that makes a test pass before you like it's always in that order. Um, I, I will say that writing tests helps you with your software design, because if you're finding something hard to write a test for, there's probably a problem with how you're writing your code. Yeah. Like either you're not you're not making you're not following solid principles you're not doing like the single uh single responsibility principle for one of your methods or you are 
not like, like maybe you need dependency injection because you're like, you can't like you have to tinker with the method too much in order to make it testable. There's a bunch of different things that like, if you can write a test for it, then it's more likely that your, your code will be more resilient to change in the future. And I think, uh, you know, especially uh, like in particular unit testing, um, is really good to get you start thinking like object oriented, um, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, because it comes down to things like when you start with the test, you care about the output, not how you get to the output. And so yeah. it helps you get away from thinking about, um, to, to throw back to another good word from the season, the idioms of languages and, mm -hmm. and those things that will get you there. And it makes you think about, well, I need, I, I need blue paint. Mm -hmm. So my result should be, I should have a blue wall. I should have a, that, that's my test. My wall should be blue. Well, I could go buy blue paint. I could also go buy green paint and yellow paint and mix them. There's a lot of solutions <laughs> to that problem. And the way you approach that will change. And uh, the other buzzword I'll throw in this is agile. Agile tends to mm -hmm. get you into this because agile is about constantly iterating on things. So, well, the simple solution, obviously, is to just go buy blue paint. Um, so that's, nice. that's the, the function, so to speak, of how you get a blue wall. But down the road, you may discover, well, we also need a red wall and a green wall and mm -hmm. an orange wall. And so you think, well, we could buy individual cans of each of those, or we could start thinking about primary colors and how to mix them. And so maybe then what happens is you change that function to take two colors and mix them and output a color. And so then mm -hmm. you get to where you're, you can give it red and uh, yellow and get orange. So, but the output, then you can also say, here's green and yellow, and I still get blue. I still have a blue wall as a consequence mm -hmm. of that, even though the internal semantics of that function have changed, the output is still blue as a consequence. There, there is some advice I heard. Um, I originally, I first read it in Sandy Metz, uh, her book, Practical Object-Oriented Design in Ruby. And I, I heard it, I was reminded of it again by a coworker and a fellow developer, uh, Adam Bachman. Um, it's to, it, it's don't refactor or dry up your code until the third time you have to do something. Right. So one, we call that one, two in is the way we refer yeah. to it at work, but it's the yeah, exact same principle. So you write the thing, you write the thing that does the thing. And then the second time you write the thing that does the other thing and you just, you know, you suck it up and grimace and complain and maybe make a note in the doc somewhere. They're like, we should probably refactor this, but that's it. The third time though, that's when you actually do the refactoring. Yeah. Um, her now her advice is because, yeah, well, like she, she says, you never know less about your requirements than you do today. And I, I love that. I love that framing because that, that's. Um, I mean, it's true, but also it's like kind of profound. <laughs> Never know less about it than you do today. What about like, I don't want to use the word failure. That, that <laughs> word. Failure, in my world, something's a failure only if you didn't learn from it and didn't fix something mm. as a con consequence. But was there anything that didn't? go well for you or like maybe even rephrase God, where it. Do I start? is there is there anything you threw away was there uh, were there any tools that you gave up on for something else i i think one thing 
that kind of fits within the I think the neighborhood of what you're asking in August I formally stepped down as project lead for Diaperbase after about four and a half years I think something like that I just I I was feeling burnt out and I was the single I, I was the single person or single point of not failure but like bottleneck yeah kind of like i i was the i was the executive of the of the of app development for the app and it just it got to be it got to be too much like i just i needed other people to be able to make decisions on it and and to do things and i i'd been in it with it since the beginning and i was just finding that what what kind of clued me in was uh, about a month prior to that i was trying to um I was trying to close out a ticket in the repo and I, I I went into it with one set of assumptions that, you know, it worked a particular way. And it turns out that this particular thing had been changed very radically from how it functioned originally. And I had no idea because that was not communicated. And also I hadn't worked with the project much in a couple months. And that was sort of when I realized like, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing the project a service by staying on as the lead. And it was time to turn it over to someone else. I feel very proud of the work that I've done with it. We we brought it to market, not market, it's not being sold, but we we brought it to common use. Yeah. And the national network has, you know, we've been partnering with them and they've been promoting it to diaper banks and all the feedback we get from all the diaper bank people have been that they love it and that it solves so many problems for them. And it's been a delight to work on their project. I, I'm still, I was actually working on a ticket the other day I still work on it, um, and I still would like to be involved. I'm just not the team lead anymore. And let me tell you, man, it's hard, really hard to let that go. And everyone else is on the project now, and no one has more than six or so. Um, I guess I guess one person has eight months experience on it now because he started in April. He is the most experienced person with the project on the project right now. Everyone else has three or four months experience on it. <laughs> And so I'm like, I'm sticking around partly because like some of the PRs I saw coming in were like, they were, they were solving a problem that had already been solved or they were adding complication to a problem, to the program that was like unnecessary because it, there was this whole thing with doing CSV exports and there was all this complexity with there was like a csv exports like controller which you know handle the request coming in and then spitting the response back and then we had like a separate class for generating the csv data from the things and all this abstraction and i'm like why are we doing it this way because rails gives you the ability to do csv format output by default like you get it for free all you have to do is just put a little indicator on on the controller action and then you got it and so i it was a big commit but um, I gutted all of the redundancy and complexity. I modified the code, made it use the more simple method, and then fixed it, and then straightened it all out. And it, it was a lot cleaner afterwards, if I say so myself. <laughs> um, no disrespect to anybody who did it the other way. I, it was a while ago that we started in that direction, and it was because the requirements changed. It, it became, we needed CSV exports everywhere, and not just on this one spot. So that was a nice, like... That was, that was the last big commit I did, <laughs> but it's, it's really hard to say goodbye, man. Like it was that, you remember that song in Hamilton one last time? One last it, time. Yeah. 
That's that's a lot what it felt like. No, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I have a gaming website. I man, and now I think about it. God, I I started this thing about eight years ago, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, for the the game in question, it was pretty much the leading website out there for that game for a while, and uh, I over time had less and less time to commit to it and it needed it the way i had it set up like intentionally it needed a hand to guide it because uh, it mm-hmm. took user submissions but mm-hmm. not just like random community generated content like it, anything that was submitted got curated through an editing process and things like that and mm-hmm. the the site went down actually last year um towards the end of last year because I just straight up forgot to renew the domain name. Um, I thought I had it on <laughs> auto renew. I'd switched. Oh no! I'd switched registrars and thought I had everything on auto renew, and I didn't. And so I lost the domain. And like when I say I lost it, I mean I completely. I couldn't get it back at all. Um, and there's a site there now that's like a weird. It's not a squatter site, but it's definitely a weird site. Anyway, not important. But that forced me to sit down and think about what the future of the site was. There were a lot of folks on Reddit that popped up and said, hey, what happened to the site? And so clearly people were still using it and still referencing it, even though I hadn't been paying hardly any attention to it. So I I got a different domain. I relaunched it. I said, hey, here's where it is. I shut down the the contribution part of it, um, and I just left it basically in a read-only state. And I started the process of trying to put together like a team to be like, let's you know, this code hasn't been touched in three years. It's mm-hmm. way out of date. It doesn't work very well in some areas. Let's rewrite this stuff. Let's fix these problems. Let's update, you know, the look and feel of it. And let's even get together some writers for it and things like this. And I got, I was hitting that really hard in about January of this year, early this year. And man, I'm not even going to be ashamed of it. I lost steam on it. And mm-hmm. to to say uh, you know, failure is just something you don't learn from. <laughs> I didn't learn from that mistake because I, it, nothing has changed on it and I haven't moved forward on it. I feel really bad about it, um, from that standpoint. Um, but I also had to admit it was too much. I had too many things on my plate and that particular project just simply took too much time and there, there was no like payout on it, you know, so to speak there, it wasn't making money for me. It wasn't anything like that. All it did was cost me time. And yeah. unfortunately, I just have other stuff in my life that took priority. And I feel that, that sucks. And I would like to revisit it and figure out how to make it whole, I guess, so to speak. and Or mm-hmm. at least get it into somebody else's hands. But I have, I've tried and have not been successful in that area. because It's hard, man, yeah, right? That, it, find me a web developer who doesn't have side projects already, you know? Yeah. So I felt that, that Wait, Even just like... Keeping something going, yeah, just takes a lot. Um, for the podcast, let's let's talk podcast though. Um, just a little sure. bit. We, you know, it's obviously not a whole show for a recap, but I think there's some stuff to talk about here. A you can I'm navel super, gaze for a moment. I'm, <laughs> I've never heard that phrase until you said it just a little bit ago. I <laughs> I understood it contextually, but I've that, that was a new one for me. So. We're finishing out season three, 78 episodes. We're putting out 26 of them a year. We have not missed an episode. I do not intend to miss an episode. Season four is coming. Season four is already uh, under production. Um, I intend a season five and a season six. Uh, if 
time allows. I'm really looking forward to that. I feel very bad in a similar fashion. Our website is in need of, I think, a lot of TLC. I think anybody who has used it will <laughs> note that. Um, I was looking at our archives earlier, and apparently a, we we use a parent theme that is a just a paid premium theme that then has a mm-hmm. child theme on top of it. There was some update, I guess, to the parent theme that for some reason our archives show two players. Oh, I've noticed that. I was wondering what was up with that. <laughs> so I need to go through and look at that and clean that up, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But the site needs just some generalized work all the way around, and I need to find some time to commit to that. So I do plan on doing that. The one thing that has come up in various capacities and is is moving forward is we will have a merch store of some kind coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, we've started some graphic design, uh, Aaron's taking the reins on a little bit of that. I've got another graphic designer that's working on some stuff that I think, I, I think that I'm folks, very proud of, very proud of my idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think you will enjoy what we have coming. Um, it's largely like t-shirt based and whatnot, but it's not, uh, it's not like kitschy drunken UX stuff. Like it's just, if you're a web developer mm. or a web designer, I think you're just going to enjoy the ideas that we've got and the designs we're putting together. Um, yeah. And they are um, surprisingly original, I think, in most cases. So I hope so. I, I think there there's a couple uh, that I have seen variations to some extent on. Sure. But um, there's one in particular I'm really excited about showing off. Um, I We haven't got the design on it started yet. The concept of it's all worked up, though. But mm-hmm. let's just say I'm really excited to get that in front of some folks and okay. see what y'all think. Um, but that is coming. Um, that will be a thing. And that'll be something they will be affordable um, as much as we can make them and try to make a dollar or something off of them just so we can throw that towards hosting costs and whatnot. But also mm-hmm. talking about the money side of this, and we, we haven't done it to this point for a number of reasons, um, but... I've been strategizing and plotting and scheming, and I do plan probably early in 2021, if not at the start of 2021, um, I'm planning to launch a uh, Patreon for the show. Oh, right. So yeah, we're talking about that now. Yeah, so if anybody wants to share a dollar with us, you know, everything, the 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 support levels are marginal, like literally... One through five dollars. <laughs> um, I'm not out there throwing a twenty dollar a month thing out there. Nothing like that. These are cheap. Again, just to help us offset hosting costs for the show, basically. Um, I mean, know, we could we could do higher tier things for like basically like a promo spot on each episode or something. Yeah, we'll we'll have options certainly, yeah. but um, nobody will be locked into being like, well, I can donate a dollar or I can donate $10. That's not very good. <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying to keep it very reasonable in that way because, you know, it's just a modest amount that covers hosting and sure. things, um, and helps us do things like hire a designer, um, to, you know, do some of these, uh, merchandise ideas. Um, the big threshold I think for me is having enough coming in a month to hire a legitimate transcription person. Yes. Oh gosh, that would be huge. That, like, right now, we're using automated transcripts. They are not amazing at this point, but they are yeah. better than nothing. Um, but I would love to be able to afford to pay an actual human being transcript person. So, what, what would it be like? Like fifty dollars an episode or something? It's something or in those in that area. I've done the math on yeah. it at one point. I mean, it's it's a it's not cheap. 
to say the least. Um, yeah. Human transcription generally runs at its cheapest about a dollar a minute. Yeah. So, like, it sounds cheap until you think about, yeah, doing one in two-hour episodes. Oh, yeah, maybe a bit more than that. One of the big things, though, yeah. and uh, I've... I'd steered away from the idea of doing like any kind of like real premium like benefits, I guess, uh, mainly because it's hard to commit to, I think, that much extra work. But one thing I do think mm -hmm. we will be uh, offering, and I'm going to probably go back and redo some episodes to help with this as well, is um, usually when we do interviews, you know, they come in at our normal hour length, but we record an hour and a half, sometimes even more. And so I think I'm going to make the full-length interviews available uh, to uh, anybody at probably any tier, I think. Uh, if, if you're a Patreon backer, then you will get full access to the full-length interviews if you want to hear more from uh, the folks that we have on. So that's one that's kind of right at the forefront of my mind and will very likely be coming. And we'll probably do some of the other real common stuff like, hey, you know, help us vote on topics for future episodes and little, you know, little things like that. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm real proud of what we've got so far. Uh, our numbers have been good throughout COVID, actually. Uh, a lot of shows saw a pretty mean hit on their listener numbers with mm -hmm. people not driving and not taking transit and listening to shows on their way to work. Um, Being preoccupied with COVID. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm proud to say, you know, we... We saw a little dip as a result, but uh, I think uh, we've weathered that and, and grown on top of it. So um, without getting into specific numbers on, on that, but uh, as always, I say, you know, anybody who would enjoy the show, be sure to share it, you know, leave us a like or review. If you listen to us on, you know, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, mm -hmm. Spotify, wherever, um, you know, hit the like button, the rating button. Any of that helps us because it helps reach and uh, takes mm -hmm. a second. And I've, I shared some stuff on Instagram and stuff. It's like, that's, that'd be the perfect Christmas present. I'm not going to beg too <laughs> hard on it, but if you have a second and want to do that, it certainly is very appreciated. Yeah. Aaron, what else yes. am I missing? What have we, what else has happened this year? Has there been any big <sighs> web news this year that uh, the Gmail or Google stuff was kind of interesting, right? The, the, icon redesign of all the google properties that got people up oh. in arms pretty big all right look so a long time ago i had i was reviewing phones for verizon and one time i had the samsung droid charge and it was like the first 4g phone or lte phone um that i gotten to use and my area recently got lte towers the phone itself was great but one thing they did that made it really hard to use was every icon every app was given a rounded corner square background of a randomized color it was so hard to use because you can't look for the outline of the app you can't look for the envelope for gmail you can't look for the, the alien head for reddit whatever the little bird for twitter you have to look and actually read like look at the icons themselves you can't scan them so frustrating and so i had the same experience with all the, the google changes because now all the icons use the same color scheme so you actually have to look at and interpret the individual icons, and it's really fucking annoying. Little things. I, the, the little things. Uh, they, have, I, they have so much money, and they hire some, I'm certain, very talented people. I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. I, I get brand consistency. They could have just as easily had made each of the icons a different color and a different shape, and that probably would have been fine. Or they could have just left it all the same 
and stop being idiots about it. I don't know. <laughs> it was just really annoying. You know, one of the other big things from this year, and it's certainly not done at all, but um, you know, with the last uh, big release for WordPress, I think it was five five. Still a ways to go, but they have in fact been making a lot of progress on accessibility in the platform. Um, you know, as much criticism as I as we levied at them, and and certainly you know more than a few other people about the accessibility of Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. And despite the failings, it does still have. They have made a lot of strides, and they've been true to their word that you know that was something they were going to keep working on. So that's been good to see. It's encouraging to say the least. Um, people still complain about it. That's one thing that has not changed this year. Was boy, people have not gotten used to Gutenberg quickly. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see. It's good to see that that's making progress, and and I think it will hopefully be good for the the platform. I think in the long run, I do. Like using it for the show, I I find a lot of uh, nice things about it, to say the least. You know about the way it works mm-hmm. and the way it integrates with content. Um, I have enjoyed building stuff for it. So, well, how about this? For the last time in 2020, I'm gonna say, <laughs> kick back, have yourself a sip of whatever drink you're having, and we'll be right back with you after this break. The Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by our friends at NewCloud. NewCloud is an industry-leading interactive map provider who has been building location-based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, NewCloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at newcloud.com drunkenux. That's nucloud.com drunkenux. Well, that rounds it out for us, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for sitting with us for three years. I hope we've entertained you. I hope that in all of the strife that has been 2021, we've given you some humor, some learning, some sense of enjoyment. Certainly, I assume you're not tuning in because you're a masochist and hate us. But hey, teach their own, you know? I'm not going to... No, no, no judgment. If you want to join us, we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. You can find us at slash drunkenux. If you hit us up on Instagram, that's slash Drunken UX Podcast. If you want to chat with us at any point, you can come find us drunkenux.com slash discord. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoyed your stocking stuffers from our last episode. Um, if not, go back and, and check that out. We talked about CSS math functions. We talked about some uh, data flags. We talked about Among Us, uh, among other things. And, mm-hmm. and those are waiting for you. We'll do a little bit more of that in 2021, I think. I like the little quick hitter topic um, episodes. Those are fun. They mm-hmm. And from what I can tell, you guys enjoy them as well. Um, all I can do is end the year as I begin the year and tell you, keep your personas close and your users closer. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. And we'll see you in Season 4. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Bye.